let me just let me just put it out the way. Front of center is one of the most important thing as long as you're shooting a recurve. But it's the worst thing you can do is shooting a high let off bow. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. As you just heard in that short clip, today's episode is all about high FOC, front of center, heavy front of center for your arrow builds for deer hunting. Now, high FOC, heavy arrows, adult arrows, these terms and these arrow builds have been really trendy in the last few years, especially in the world of whitetail hunting for close encounters, the bone crushing threshold, and especially for folks that are anticipating quartering two shots, people hunting on the ground, and for good reason, right? There is a lot of compelling arguments for in favor of heavy FOC arrow builds. And I myself have shot a high FOC heavy arrow build for the last three years. I was shooting serious Apollo arrows. That arrow weighed 560 grains with, I wanna say 14% FOC. I killed quite a few deer with that setup. And until I met Dorge and uh, Dave Murray from Vital Limits, I never really heard a compelling argument against having a high FOC build. And I'm the kind of guy that if something does come out in opposition to something that I believe in, I want to hear it out because maybe what I am doing right now isn't the most efficient way or the most effective way to be doing things, even though it works. So I'm always looking for that 1%, 2%, 3% better performance because in the game of whitetail hunting, it's a game of inches. It's a game of percentages. And those little tweaks, those minor tweaks can help you out. So in this episode, I am learning myself about having heavy FOC in regards to shooting a high poundage, high let off modern bow. In the world of physics, Dorge and Dave break down why having a high FOC and shooting micro diameter shafts, that combination might be detrimental to your arrow flight if you are shooting above a certain feet per second. Now, once you fall below that certain feet per second, the heavy FOC might not matter as much. So you'll have to listen to this podcast to kind of learn with me. I am by no means an expert in this space, but I am open to learning everything that I possibly can about it. If you guys have your own thoughts, please uh, DM me. Let's talk about it. And hell, if we can get you guys on the podcast to talk about it, maybe you can come on and talk to George. I know he's open to talking to anyone about any of this stuff. So with that being said, this is a highly anticipated episode. I know that I'm going to listen to it about 10 times just to kind of wrap my head around what's going on because there has been such a great movement towards heavy FOC that not many people are talking about the other side of things. So with that being said, let's get into it. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm again joined by my archery experts here. I have Dave Murray and Dorge Wong from Firenock. How are you fellas doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Another day of uh, trying to find out what's real and what is without merit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this conversation is one that not only myself, but I know all of my listeners have been really anxious to hear about. 
And I we wanted to get through all the arrow components and everything first before we dove into this topic in depth. But today we're talking about front of center or FOC, super trendy topic in archery these days. What do you guys think? I think that was a that was a, actually let me just let me just put it out the way. Front of center is one of the most important things as long as you're shooting a recurve. But it's the worst thing you can do is shooting a high let off bow. Just like you know, XP is absolutely correct. But what the hell is he shooting? A recurve, a stick bow. What's the let off? Zero. And every single compound bow we bought now, we have had to find one that's under 75. What does that do? Well, we're going to discuss about it from the physics point of view, from the actual arrow behavior point of view, and finally, what does it mean to you if you decided you want to go with a high FOC arrow with a new compound bow, which is anything that made up to 2015. Perfect. Yeah, I think uh, I think let's just start off with what is front of center? It just a super basic point of view. FOC stands for front of center. What does that actually mean? That means that if you balance the arrow at a specific point, the ratio of the front to the back, what is the percentage? That's your front of center. The higher the front of center, the higher the percentage of the balancing point on the entire arrow length. So the the Ashby reports, the Ranch Ferry, um, this whole trend, these guys are talking about 19% FOC is like the ideal mark. That is that correct? That's absolutely correct. If you shoot a stick bow, that's perfect. Because see the we need to understand the stick curve of a stick bow and the compound bow's power stroke and power cycle. And most important, the word power duration, the duration and the time the power is being applied and how the power is being applied and how the arrow going to react with it. I think this is what a lot of people got confused. Just tell you, just like people say you, cubic inches is the only thing that matters in cars. You know what? It's not. <laughs> So let's dive into that, that, that power stroke, the difference from a recurve to a compound bow. What's the power stroke look like on a recurve? Recurve, as, as you know, that's called no let off. That means that when you're holding the bow, you're holding the maximum length of whatever the recurve allowed. From that point onwards, the power go down. The power stroke is the highest and slightly go to zero. In the case of a recurve or a compound bow, express high let off, your entire power cycle looked like a plateau with, 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 uh, with one extremely deep slope and a slightly uh, slope on the other side. So that when you let off, say we're using 70 pound bow as your basic, you start with say a 70 pound bow, so 80% let off, you're holding 14 pounds. So at that moment, the arrow is sitting with nothing at 14 pounds. Then you push it all the way to 70. That means your entire power cycle from 14 to 70 is extremely short duration. That means that arrow is not being applied a huge amount of force. But in order to maintain speed, the force is also applied for a longer duration. That's where the plateau curve is. Remember, if you look at every single hunting magazine, you see that the power stroke curve. The power is like straight up. And then you try to make that as plateau as possible because the power is continuously. That's the duration of power being applied. Now remember, in the case of a stick bow, the power is applied initially, and then the power cycle goes down. This every single time as, to, uh, as time passes, the power applied to arrow is lesser. But in the case of a high level of compound, 
the power go from say 14 all the way to 70. And then it go in about half to a third of the entire duration. And then it go down. That's where the problem is. It's the sudden change of power and the entire power duration. This is where the FOC is detrimental. Okay, so basically what you're saying is the problem becomes a consistency issue in the shot cycle of the bow. So as a recurve, it's more consistent tapering off than the uh, compound bow puts you at a, a, a basically a, a, a no poundage starting point to up and, you know, putting you into the power band of 70 pounds to back down to nothing. So you go through more of a transition that creates more of a problem for the arrow on launch on launch that's going to not be favorable in recovery. No, so actually, it's, it's not. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, no, you go ahead there because my question is probably going to jump past that. So go ahead. Well, the, the issue is not a consistency. First of all, we want to make sure that everybody understands the new compound bow are a lot more consistent than quote unquote a stick bow. But the problem with today's arrow is the problem because it, as you apply the power, remember we are still dealing with Newton's second law. And then not to mention, we also have to deal with the fact inertia. What is front of center? Front of center is that how much inertia you have in the entire arrow front of the point as you're being pushed and how much is being pushed back. Remember, Newton's second law did not change for anybody. Whatever you push, you're gonna push back. But then mm -hmm. you're asking the arrow to, to accept and respond to the continuous duration of the power curve. In the case of stick bow, the moment you, your inertia is only applied and only at the beginning of the power stroke, and it's gradually decreasing. While in the case of a compound bow, a high let off, you go from a 14 pound let off all the way to the 75% let off. In other words, you just you technically use the about the third of the power stroke of the pump of the recurve ball in that split of a second. That means your entire power curve applied is a factor of 10 to 20 compared to a normal recurve. But then you look at the plateau. The plateau is where the power is continuous with the duration, which time. Remember, power is not just, it's mass over, I mean, force is mass, uh, mass over, uh, 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 mass times acceleration. At that moment, you don't, have, although there is acceleration, but there is also a continuous apply of power, which means that the arrow had to continuously uh, re, uh, resist it, which means your power stroke to the arrow now just, the arrow had to take a lot more. That's the reason the, the only way to overcome this is that you either increase your, uh, your spine significantly, or you actually do the reverse. You now lower the front of center as much as possible. So that you limit, you, you minimize the effect of quote unquote, the, uh, the, the inertia of the arrow pointer. So the arrow do not, see uh, that's reason when you shoot 80% off, when what I found out an 8% FOC is ideal. But then that's where the problem is. How many people you know how to tune a bow with 8% FOC and able to hold the form when you're shooting 8% FOC. But the 80% LR bow is meant to shoot like this in my personal opinion. What's the challenge there? What, what's, uh, what's the challenge with building an arrow with 8% FOC and tuning it? Uh, two things. When you shoot an arrow 8% FOC, the stability of the arrow initial launch cycle is challenged. 
which means that you're holding your bow is going to be a lot more involved. But the good thing with that, that is what the 80% level bow is built for. So the second part you said the uh, you also the, the, your your vertical or horizontal not travel, which is how you tune the bow, is very critical. Because see, at that moment, without the front of center in the front to hold the arrow in arrow point in the initial position, the arrow point can move left, right, up, down because of the horizontal or vertical not travel. In the case of like the new uh, binary Campbell, which is guaranteed to have horizontal not travel, then you go some bow who prefer uh, uh, a little bit called a power down. In other words, they got advanced upper cam that will guarantee you to have horizontal uh, vertical not travel issue. And then, then of course, in 90% of the bow nowadays is called, uh, they do a parallel uh, equivalent cam. Up and low cam is pretty much identical. Your problem is minimized, which is also the reason back then when we have single cam, because of the uh, string stretch and, so, and the down cable movement, your not travel up and down is critical. That's the reason you're up your front of center. You make a lot of problems go away. But in case of high dead off, you need that purple perfectly perpendicular launch, side, launch cycle for the arrow. Another one, no, not the arrow, but the knack. I did say it wrong. It is not what the arrow you need to be. You want to make sure the power stroke to the arrow is perfectly perpendicular, no sideway movement, no up and down movements. Now, if you think about it, if you do that, that means you better have a bow press and you know what you're doing. And the best way to do it, of course, is to paper tuning so that you know how the arrow launch out of the bow, but then it, assuming the arrow is actually tuned right, because until you got an arrow that is, you know that should perfectly horizontal, then you can use the the, the, torn, the tearing of the arrow to now tune your bow. But most people haven't got the arrow or bow right now. They have two problems <laughs> that is inconsistent, and they try to tune it. In other words, you don't even know where to begin. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason most people don't want to deal with it. So by increasing the front of standard, they have enough mass in the front so that they think they can easily get it to do what it does. It is like the old saying is that, you, since you don't know how to tune a Ferrari, you don't know how to drive a Ferrari, you go and add another 500 to 1,000 pounds on a car, so you drive like a Honda Accord, so you know how to drive it. That, that makes sense when you put it that way. So what, what happens when we start adding a significant amount of tip weight to increase the FOC? What's, what's the problem? Well, the problem is that that is uh, see, the, the, all the arrow we make today, unless we make arrow that's so heavy spined that the arrow no longer flex. Front of center, you can, I mean, it's easy. In other words, it is the way, the, the simplest way to tune any bow, just increase the front of center. You got got a directional control and everything's supposed to go in better. But in actuality, it go a lot worse, especially high level. And I will tell you how you can tell that you have problems. Go and shoot a target at 20, 25, 30 with whatever arrow you got. Look at how the arrow penetrate the target. If the arrow penetrate the target at any angle, you know you got a you got an arrow tuning problem. The arrow is not going in straight. That I mean, sense. the whole idea of arrow is straight. If the arrow is not going in straight, what is the arrow doing in air? Is the arrow fine crooked in the air to start with, or the arrow is just bent so much it's going in? If the arrow is bending with, with heavy front of center, just let's put it this way. If you've got a huge amount of weight in the front, the inertia is the highest, which what happened to the midsection and tail section of the arrow? The arrow is going to flex, right? Mm -hmm. If the front is not moving and the tail is flexing, 
What does that mean to the tail of the arrow? Think about it. You're holding, in other words, imagine the arrow is supposed to be look like a reverse fish. Now you grab that and have the fish, solid. That fish is gonna get smaller and smaller in body, but larger and larger in tail, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But this time, the, the, in other words, the fish head is gonna open. The fish head supposed to be closed. So if, even on terms of impact with high FSC, when people have a lot of point weight, but they're getting poor penetration, what does that mean? Because, you know, I've seen it in some video where, you know, you see the arrow impact, it goes in a little bit, but all mm -hmm. kinds of things are happening at the back of the arrow. The arrow essentially becomes like a wet noodle if it's not stabilized. Absolutely. And that's that, that I think is one of the benefits when, you know, we have, you know, concept system option, um, we're able to maximize the FSC in that ex example, because we have, we have some stabilization uh, for the arrow as compared to if you just add a bunch of tip weight to it, that you have all like insert or outsert weight to it. And people are thrown on 200 green heads. And then we go into the popular micro diameter shafts with heavy wall thickness and, and, and really really slim diameter and, you know, inside diameter shafts. They really just end up with more problems than what they want, and then you'll find out that that shooter, you, and I, you see this on some of the videos that you mentioned before that you talked about. You see them going into these six, seven, eight hundred grain arrows. Well, is I mean, is the arrow that much better at that range, or are we just talking a confident problem with the arrow because they can't make it happen at four hundred grain? Exactly, which is, which is the which is the the issue. Yeah, let's. Let's add so much weight and FOC to it that we're shooting 800 grain to make up for what they're losing because they really can't build an arrow. Well, in some cases, this is like, since people can't drive fast cars and they bought fast cars, the only way to make it drivable is add weight to it. That's the best way to describe it. It's right. like, instead of like, instead of like trying to, okay, I, I, it's my skill level. Or that's the reason a lot of dealers really do not want, want this to happen. Because see, as a matter of fact, if you tune, tune today's compound bow, you don't have a bow press while you're shooting it and tuning it. You're asking for it. Because today's compound bow are so, they, they are like pretty much, form, they are like Formula Ones. It's not like your Honda Accord or your, or your, Chevy, or your Ford F-150. You can go out there, start the car and drive. That's the reason behind it, because it's so high performance. You need a whole pit crew to handle it. And, and I, not to I, mention, mm -hmm. I, I want to keep in mind that it's not that we don't like weight because George has built an extensive amount of uh, bolts for African game that are eight, nine hundred over a thousand grains. But the process of building that bolt with introducing other internal shafts, basically larger concept systems to have that stability uh, for the animal. He's not just adding on a real heavy insert. No, it's it first sand. of all, it's, it's, it's not stability, what the concern is, is that when you deal with a bigger animal like Cape Buffalo, elephant, and giraffe, because a lot of people don't understand, when, you, when you're shooting a giraffe, you're shooting the third heart. That's 12 inch of skin you need to penetrate. That's the, the light arrow is not going to go through that. It's like, if you try to split some wood with a one pound hammer, you, you're crazy. <laughs> you need some right. you need a 12 pound wedge because you need that momentum. But when you're dealing with a white tail, 
on elk, which is soft. <laughs> I mean, just like, I mean, yes, it is okay to shoot a white tail with a 50 calipers. You can pretty much close your eyes and shoot it. But that's, if that's what you want to do, I mean, I got customer literally bought my Dragon Slayer, which is 900 grain shaft. <laughs> he was bought it. Should they have White House? Can you absolutely do it? Sure. But then you better know your pin gaps. I mean, they are about yay wide. I mean, if you're looking at a fifth, I mean, the arrows are dropping about 16 yards. And even at, at 10 yards, it's dropping. But that is what, what you're giving up. Right. I mean, think about it. If you're in a normal hunting environment, you saw a deer 22 yards, the deer make one step, you're going to be eight inches off with that arrow. Wow, yeah. Because you know, you do you know what I'm mean? 800 sharp, then you normally, to make it shoot right, you better have a 200 point on it. Now you're looking at 1,000. Yeah, I had an interesting question come up to me yesterday. Maybe I've had that question a, a few times, but I wanted your take on it because I know he listens to the podcast. Um, Instead of adding this concept system or whatever, why can't the shooter just get a heavier spine, just up the spine? Uh, this is where I mean, up the spine is not a bad concept, but it's just like, why can't you just, how I say, uh, uh, make a heavier, more stable chassis, make the car heavier. Then everybody can drive it. But you lost the original reason. Why are you buying a new Bofo? Right. I mean, the, 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 the heavier spine arrow is good to solve this problem. But it is like asking yourself this question. You just got a brand new bow. You're doing exactly the result of it is worse than what you back then five years ago. Or even as worse than what, what I did back in 2000, back in 2000, 1999, shooting a Matthew Q2. Then why are you buying a new bow and spending all this money? I mean, the bow did not faster. The penetration did not get any more different. I mean, yeah, you get a, a slightly more energy. Remember, at the end of the day, you're still putting 70 pounds. The law of physics do not change. It's getting more efficient. Well, efficient in what way? I mean, at the end of the day, you have putting a 70 pound bow. That do not I mean, change. Let's in, get that in, out of the way. In, in our world, you know, usually if you up the spine from say a 400 to a 300, you know, most of your arrows, are, you're going to jump up and wait. Yes. So the speed that you think you're going to put out, you, you lose speed mm -hmm. at, at the other end of the spectrum. But mm -hmm. your, your your arrow, in terms of, you know, what a conventional arrow is doing compared to what we're building on, you know, you you don't you don't have that benefit of the concept system. So the arrow is still behaving like a conventional arrow. It may not oh, do it as much, but you're not going to throw Aravain 3s on it and think you're going to get concept system results just by upping it to it. No, actually, we don't even need to touch that because there's a whole different level of technology of improvement. Let's just talk about playing... Jane arrow with no veins. Right. Let's talk about that. If you're shooting today's bow, the bow that you bought in 2022, and then you go and look at a bow with no veins, just a shaft and a point. You go and now shoot a Q2, 2009, 2000 years, I mean, 22 years ago bow, okay? You're the same identical arrow, same identical arrow in weight, total weight. What is your actual difference? Well, it may be five to eight feet per second based on AMO standard. That means a 70 pound and a 350 right. grain arrow. Okay. You, well, you're saying if a bow of 20 years ago 
that has mm -hmm. the same speed shooting 70 pounds as compared to a bow that's shooting that would technically be the same speed. You're just got a brand new version of that shooting the same thing. Right, but remember, Q2 is 65% off and the current one is 80% off. What you do is that you compare 65% of that off compared to 80% of that off. At the end of the day, you're putting 70 pounds. Now the so question 65% let off is, ends up being a better result for the arrow. Yes, because of the arrow we have today. Theoretically, with an arrow with infinite stiffness with no weight, that's where the high FOC become great. And thin diameter can become great, but we don't. We are dealing with arrow construction. Now, a lot of people keep on forgetting about shaft constructions. Just like any single tube on this planet, believe the tube dynamics do not change. People need to understand if you have identical spine, the smaller the diameter, the thicker the wall, the more the memory. The thinner the, 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 the thinner the wall thickness, the larger the diameter, the faster the respond. An arrow needs to respond when it's applied power. That's what an arrow is. Otherwise, it's no longer an arrow, it's a spear. As a matter of fact, the most efficient projectile we human ever created is not an arrow. It is not a spear. It's a back-assisting spear. It's the most efficient projectile known to human. So how come arrow is so good? I mean, just like, you know, you look at a traditional army, Chinese army arrow. What's the weight of it? 2,500 grain. You know what's that for? They shoot that at 45 degree, 150, 150 yards behind the enemy line. Those will go through, um, you will go through armors. But you know how those arrows come in? They come in like rains. <laughs> Where are you aiming? You're not aiming. <laughs> you rain them. <laughs> but those are used in a whole different way. But remember, those guys are not holding the bow. They're using their feet to hold the bow and they go back with two person and pull that. Those are usually, if my, if my hist history lesson and archeology span is good enough, those are about 170 pound bows. That's how they launch those. In other words, the whole idea of weight, you must apply power in order to be balanced. In today's compound bow, I mean, like that's one of, one of my, a few friends out there and also not major. I remember Cameron, you talked to Matthew guys too. He would told you the most efficient is around 370 to 420. That's when you give the best benefit, most efficient of today's compound bowl. My opinion is about 370 is where the ideal point is. I mean, can you go beyond that? Just like, well, you know, what's the best speed to drive? And I mean, we know that it's about 65. You don't have to think about much. That's your speed. Can you drive a 90? Yes, you can. But if you screw up, you're going to die very fast. Can you drive at 55? Absolutely. You're going to save a lot of gas. That's what Jimmy Carter did. We proved that we saved a ton of gas. But what does that mean? Your time sucked. <laughs> I mean, do you really want to drive 55 through Nevada and Oklahoma? <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> you're going to pay for it. In other words, speed have a, have a uh, just like when you increase speed, that is a value to it. What are you giving up? I mean, just like, you, you know, if you, if you increase the weight of your car, just like in winter times, you know, I remember the days of my old car, where we would drive, 37, 63 power, uh, weight ratio. The only way for me to drive it is to add weight. I add 200 pounds of sand on the back of my car to drive it. I think that's you a need key to point when we're talking the arrow builds. 
because mm -hmm. you know the process that we use to build them we can go into that lighter arrow mm -hmm. and really not give that much up as compared to you know a conventional shaft oh absolutely and and, and be able to you know go on like hunting and stuff like if i build an arrow on my bow i wouldn't have no problem going on an elk hunt with a 350 grain arrow just because mm -hmm. i you know i i I know I I know what I'm dealing with, but you know to convey that over to a lot of shooters, a lot of a lot of shooters typically want to you know to be one in that uh like that 500 grain area. Okay, um, Let, let's just more. talk about it. Let, let's go to the fundamentals. Uh, well, I mean, let's go even below fundamentals. What are your major of your principal objective? You want to go hunt, right? You mm -hmm. want an arrow you can trust and shoot. You want an arrow able to harvest the animal. Ethically, least amount of effort. You now got a bow in your hand that you know a pin gap is of like yay wide because you're shooting, say, a, a, a 500 and a 550 green arrow. Ask yourself, what's your pin gap? After you know your pin gap or your, 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 your tape, you now you get the animal 30 yards from you. The animal takes two steps. You're second guessing yourself. Now you're moving your pin. The animal moved. Now you pull back the animal move. What pin are you using? Yeah, One you're step of it. Yep, you're you're, you're, you're guessing, you're guessing, you're guessing. Guess <laughs> you're guessing your idea. Shot. Exactly. So uh, how good are you going to make that shot? Because see, the whole idea of a new compound bow, of the latest compound bow, is allowing you to shoot the arrow as flat as possible, half of the arrow as ethical as possible. Then you ask yourself this question. As you increase the front of center, how is the arrow penetrating into the animal? At what angle? I mean, we all know that when we cut a tomato, go straight with a knife without without uh, touching, without uh, going back and forth. Like just lay, lay the blade on it and go down. Now increase the angle and see how long, how much effort you take. You're asking an arrow to do that when you increase the front of center when the arrow is not capable of guiding the arrow point to be straight. I mean, we all not have only, nails in my life. Yeah, but not only in terms of guiding the arrow as far as getting to the target, but I'll just use the 166 as an example with heavy tip weight. The recovery of the arrow is, you know, flex and can flex dramatically. Mm -hmm. and just change it within flex, not counting just how it's guided to the target. So every mm -hmm. time that the arrow flexes, you lose direct point contact just based off of, just based off of oscillation. Well, actually, uh, that, that is yet true and not true. With the 166, if you're low front of center you're, and the spine is low, the arrow point will do that. But in the case of a heavyweight, like heavy FOC, the, the, yes, the initial arrow point is flexing, but the tail is going to overtake the front if the front of center is not there. That's the reason you see a lot of people with 166 with low front of center, they find out the arrow going to target crooked. But with the heavy front of center, they go to target sort of straight but the penetration suffers because the arrow is using so much energy in the process. But you see, most people don't shoot past 30 yards, but they need to see what the arrow is doing at 30 yards. I mean, the easiest way to prove that what I say is true is that do it yourself. Get yourself a same arrow in 166 with a point weight and then look at maybe an old go-tip 22, which you shoot in 3D. Shoot them at a target at 30 yards. Get yourself a brand new Reinhardt, Make sure your fuel point in the front. Now, a lot of people make the mistake. 
They shoot a 166 with a seven millimeter field point and they shoot a 300 with a nine millimeter. They say, oh, look at this. This seven millimeter penetration was better. Yeah, you've got a needle point compared to a seven millimeter. Of course it penetrates better. But remember when you hunt, the size is your broadhead, it's your broadhead, it's your broadhead. It is not the field point. And a lot of people say, oh, this penetrates so much deeper. But are you really comparing apples to apples? No, you're not. You're looking at size of viewpoint and say you do better. Until you, you make the size of the viewpoint, or you better should say, I then, if, you, if you're a rage user, shoot the same identical red brick they said on both and see what happens. You'll be very, very surprised that 200, the, three, the gold tip uh, 322 is going to penetrate deeper than the 166 on the same identical weight. That's what yards. I plan on. That's what I plan on shooting this year for vertical bow setup is the. Uh is your 300 arrow, it's the 22 series arrow in the vertical Correct. bow. Because I, mean, I, 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 I built them for uh, vertical bow shooters the last probably, I don't know, a year or two since you've had them out there. And, you know, they're blowing, they're blowing right through deer. Well, there's another one. People say funnel center is great for, for quote unquote, uh, it, it, everyone say will guide the arrow. Let me give you a hint. Now, everybody who nowadays, pretty much most people got lighten axe, right? Should your arrow with a with a one six six have somebody behind you with with a with say with a with a, with, a, with, a, with a cell phone camera, put on long exposure, shoot the arrow, and look at how far that light moves in front of you, about three feet, about two feet in front of you. You find that the arrow will actually move around six to eight inch on the light with the heavy FOC arrows. What does that mean? That means your arrow point is pointing straight forward. The midsection of the arrow is reasonably straight. And since I've got so much front of center, the tail is now moving. The tail is moving six to eight inches left to right up and down. Okay. Now, we all talk about drag, right? What is the surface area of no, the total volume of air your arrow with the vein is doing? Assume the vein is one inch over the arrow. If it's moving six and eight inches, that means your vein is doing seven to nine inches of air movement at the back of your arrow, isn't it? Come mm -hmm. on, you got you can see the light. I mean, <laughs> what's is that then is all then you end up having well, that's in relating to crosswind signature, and then we're really getting screwed up. Exactly. I mean, you yeah, have all kinds of stuff happening. If the vein is moving that much, the vein, the, the tail is moving, the vein is moving that much. What is your arrow aerodynamics of the arrow behaving? Pretty poorly. Yeah. Now ask yourself this question: If that arrow is traveling at two hundred eighty feet per second or up, what do you think is going on? What do you think about your drag? It's going to be ridiculous, isn't it? That's the reason you notice every single person who shoot whatever goes every front of center. Ask yourself that question. What speed are you really shooting? You will find out well, really a, 99% of this, them will never pass 270. There's, there's a way to fix that if you just, uh, you know, triple your arrow weight, reduce your feet speed by 100 feet per second. Uh, you can fix all that. According to some other you, YouTube experts. Well, that, that's exactly, you notice that because 260, 270 feet per second, that's where aerodynamic kick in. And all the people with their bow problem, they keep on trying to lower their speed unintentionally. The word is unintentionally. 
so that the arrow finally behaves because they no longer have to deal with aerodynamics. That's a good point. I, I think you said to me one time, well, anything looks good if you just slow it down. <laughs> and I mean, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's take, let's take away, let's take speed out of the equation. Of course the arrow is going to look good. I mean, mm-hmm. I can, I can lob a softball into a glove and have it look great, you know, but I, as soon as I get, I, you know, I, I can't shoot 90, I uh, can't throw at 90 mile an hour. <laughs> exactly. The problem is that if you don't understand how this is, the first thing you do is that slow it down, that everything become okay. That's the reason front of center is really a, not the equation for people who really want performance. Just like you can, any single car will drive beautiful as long as you're not driving fast. The moment you got speed and you want to add weight to it, trust me, if you are in any, any time in the racing and people say, I'm going to add an ounce anywhere, you're going to get a fight in your hand. <laughs> you gave me the analogy. I think it was one of the first years I started working with you. You're like, well, Dave, if I put you in a Formula One race car and told you to go down the road at 200 mile an hour, and then I radioed you and said, by the way, there's no brakes and you got a turn coming up. What are you going to do? <laughs> you, ain't <got> no, <laughs> you ain't got no, con- you, you don't have no control. That And I think that's what we're getting down to is when we start up in FOC and in a shaft that's not stabilized, in a high let off bow, we lose control of the, we lose control of the shaft and it ends up becoming a, a, a problem downrange, and especially with the animal. All uh, right. You know, people people talk about, you know, and 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 this is this is probably one of the worst concepts that bow hunters will use that I that I hear is though, well, I'm not shooting target, I'm hunting, and it should be the reverse mindset that, well, you're hunting, you should have more concern about this over a target because paper doesn't suffer exactly that's that's and, the, that's and the paper point. give you a second chance animals right. don't now right. let me give you an, an idea of what happened if you do a really good system this is my setup before my shoulder surgery when i have my expectation eccentric sd6 with my 337 green arrow i'm shooting 355 feet per second on that ball which means that I can look at any animal under 40 yards. I will push for 43. I will aim at the top of its heart. My pin gap doesn't exist. My first pin is 30 yards. I will go ahead and fire. It will go through it like it was paper. What does that mean? That means anything within my 30-yard cycle or pushing to 40 yards, I can just go and read it and get it. I don't have regret and I, I don't have to think. And even if it's blowing 30, I mean, yes, I do have a Ramcat SVG. I do have Aero Wing 3. I do have Aero Concept. I got all the above. Then I put titanium keep the bump, you name it, I got it. Because it's me. How would you expect? <laughs> I decked it out right. to the bejesus. But then a few customers come to me, I did the same thing too. But then this is what you're getting. You don't have to think. You simply now the deer is in front of you. You can see the size. You can count. You have time to do it. You pull your bow back. It's easy to hold a hand. You fire the arrow. The arrow goes straight. Go to animal. The freaking knot is on the ground, blood soaked. Then you pick up the animal. Because if you do it right, the animal, you're going to die within 25 yards. So what's tracking? Tracking is overrated. Right. When you're old like me, you don't want to track. You want to be able to do that, call your nephew and say, what are you guys doing? I need to drag deer. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So, so with that's that, the reason. Mm-hmm. With with that setup that you were shooting, you said it was like three hundred and thirty-five grain arrow. Three thirty-seven, because I'm only shooting I'm only shooting sixty-eight pound, and I only have a twenty and a half inch draw. So I think one of the initial draws to a heavy FOC or even just a heavy arrow in general was the heavy higher momentum. What would no be mm-hmm. what, what would be the difference there in momentum on a heavy setup compared to what you were shooting there? Because yeah, at that moment, it's like, do you want to, sh- I mean, yes, people say that I want to shoot the deer with a slug gun. I want to shoot the deer with a 22. Well, first of all, when you shoot animal, it is not a 22. It's a 20, it's actually a scalpel with blades on it. It is not the shock that killed the deer. It is the bleeding and the vital vital area impact. You're not shooting, you're not gun hunting. You have archery hunting. What does archery hunting means? Precision on placement and hit and hit the vitals. Just like I can shoot your with your thigh with a 356 magnum. Yeah, you're gonna die because of bleeding, but you're not gonna die quick. And and if you tie your bow to your leg and you run into the woods, I won't find you. That pretty much is what's going on with a heavy FOC arrow. But if I shoot quote unquote a 22 with blades on it, I hit exactly on the top of the heart and cut all the arteries. How long do you think it's going to last? It's going to be the most most ethical thing. So just like, or should a truly double lung? You just the animal will stop breathing altogether. That whole thing will not last more than ten seconds. That's it. But that's the whole idea. You want to do it ethically, quick, least amount of ruin of meat. I mean, yes, when you shoot, that's reason people shoot deer in the neck or something not important so that you don't ruin the meat. <laughs> I mean, I love my venison, so. <laughs> yep, that's why we all do it. So um, real quickly here, is there ever a scenario with a compound shooter that a 14 or 15% FOC setup is good? Oh, of course. I mean, I, I know Deb out of uh, out of Monticello. You know, she shoot about twenty two percent FOC. Twenty two percent. Yes, that's high. and she have a fifty five pound bow. She technically got no veins on it. She don't need it. You know how far away she hunt? She hunt in uh, uh, Champagne, Illinois, uh, uh, Illinois University Champagne campus on the outskirts. What it does is that she never should pass 20, uh, maybe 30, 40 feet if that much. Mm. You're not allowed to cut any leaves. So that she can now hunt in that places with the deer in front of him and then just shot the spear. Because see, she don't need the veins. Every front of Sunday is the best because see, the, at that moment, the chance of she touching something before touching animal is so high. You need the front of Sunday, you need the momentum. Because at that moment, you're not looking for precision because you're going to have stuff, just like a bullet. If you if you put a few, even paper on a bullet path, that bullet is going to change path. And how would you do it? You increase the weight of the bullet. All the, all, all the gun, gun guys will tell you, when you have heavy bullets, you can do a lot more wonderful things. Mm-hmm. But your trajectory sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then if, how, mm-hmm. so if you find yourself hunting maybe you're a compound bow hunter that hunts on the ground a lot that has to shoot through some high grass or some brush you would recommend shooting a heavier foc setup but within a short distance it has to be it's like you're dealing with football feather again because at that moment what you're doing is that you have to encounter a lot of things 
the front of center at that moment, uh, not just front of center, a heavy arrow is always great because you're dealing with the fight path that you had encountered. Yeah, you're hitting but random you, solid objects. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and just like, I mean, a heavy arrow has its benefit. Don't get me wrong. If you're going to hunt shoulder blade, okay, instead of hearts, go for heavy FOC, go for heavyweight arrow because you need that thing to give, to, you need to increase momentum. Because everybody told me, oh, I need the 80 pound bow, that five, 600 ring arrow, because whatever you've encountered shoulder blade. I say, why would you encounter shoulder blade? Ain't you supposed to be shooting on that 11 ring all year long? And you can't know where the heart and the shoulder blade difference is? Or oh, what happened if the deer move was? I say, what happened if you totally missed? <laughs> I mean, don't, don't use those words. I mean, what happened? I know, but at the same time, you say your practice, your equipment is bringing you to that point. Murphy Laws is 10 times more powerful in the woods. Okay? So take all the variable out when you're finally going to hunt. Because if you cannot control and rely on equipment and confident fire and say, what happened if? Or what happened if, if at that moment a squirrel jumped on your back and you moved? <laughs> pointless. Right. That's pointless. I mean, because see, if you have to worry about that, you will be so what happened when you go and go and hunt the meteorite hit you on the on the track. Well, that can happen. Well, I can't say you couldn't, but you have to worry about those, you better not be hunting. <laughs> That's fair. Um, real quickly, just for my understanding, I want to like mm -hmm. back like way up. And there's mm -hmm. like there's three concepts that I want to cover. What was the reasoning behind shooting a high FOC bow, or uh, high FOC setup for a recurve, according to Dr. Ashby? Because that's, uh, you, you got better momentum. The whole idea is momentum. And because wasn't, remember, there, Dr. wasn't mm -hmm. there something with flight too, with like the front of the arrow pulling the back? The Correct, that's always true. But how fast is stick bow? Not and then fast. not to mention, and then not to mention she shoots feathers. So, and uh, with, with at that low speed, aerodynamic is never a problem. In other words, everything that we, with today's new combo at 330 feet, 15 feet per second up, never applies. Right. I mean, just like some people say, what happened if you, you put blocks and blocks on top of the airplane wings? Well, as long as you're not flying, it doesn't matter, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, think about it. So, really quickly, um, and the, I don't, I don't know what term to use the simplest terms possible. I want you to explain with words, what happens to the arrow at launch with a 8% FOC arrow versus a 18% FOC arrow. Okay. Now I want you to imagine you drawing a basic two line fish. Okay using two curves to draw a fish, okay? With a heavy front of center, that fish with the mouth being on the knot, the mouth is the knot. Ideally, you say the, the tail intersection is where your arrow rest is. Mm -hmm. The heavy FOC, that fish will look like a tuna. With the low FOC, that fish will look like a mackerel. And in most cases, it will look like an eel. That means when you shoot a low FOC arrow, that will have microwave on the shaft, you will not forming any fish. That's the most ideal. When your arrow form a tuna, that, that, that whole magnitude of flax 
is what you're giving to the shaft. Now imagine as you as your arrow have heavy momentum, your tuna is going to look like a flounder <laughs> as you go through the power curve, and then you go out. What where is your field point and broadhead pointing at at that moment? Not straight. Mm-hmm. Now as you go forward, based on Newton's second law, the heavy weight in the front is going to stabilize very fast. What's the shaft doing? The All shaft the energy responds right back. Correct. The shaft is going to flex in it. And then the tip, the mouth of the fish, now splitting open. Mm. And the vein is now interacting with the air. And as you shooting lower, the, the thinner the arrow, the heavier the weight, the weaker the spine, the larger the flex of the tail with the, with the, with the vein on it. What does that mean? Your drag factor, you start, you're shooting a parachute behind your arrow. What do you think is your total energy impact on the, on the target? You're increasing a significant break, but you know what the worst part is? It's the sound. Do you yeah. know deer don't jump anything? Deer, the number one problem that most people don't understand is that unless you've got a really bad design broadhead, like some of the broadheads are whistles, which we no longer shoot, it's your vein. If you don't think your vein makes sound, <laughs> you really need to do some research on your own. Because you think about it. When you shoot the air, when you shoot a deer with a bow at that moment, the sound is instantaneous and it's decelerating. Have you ever heard a totally quiet wood? If you have, that's only only become quiet the moment you stand up on a tree stand. Then the wood get quiet. At that moment, every sound matters. But remember, when a vein going through the animal, the sound get louder and louder as the arrow get closer to the deer. So the further you shoot, the louder it gets. People say deer jump strings. No, they don't. They jump broadheads and they jump veins. Because your days compound bow, if you do it right, there should be no sound when you launch it. And if you have sound with your bow, I think you need to rethink your strategy. In other words, you need to go back to a bow shop and find someone who knows because your bow should be dead in the hand like everybody said and make no sound. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> then what sound you got is from the freaking vein. That's where funnel center gives you a lot of vein noise. There is a lot of problems there. There is a lot of, it wasn't just one thing bad happens when you shoot a super heavy foc arrow on a modern compound bow i think that's the i think that's the key there the 70 percent let off and greater i'm sure that effect gets worse as you go to 80 percent 85 percent 90 percent let off because that force curve is going to be even sharper so i think that's the duration is going to be longer because see, the whole idea in order to keep the arrow speed, because everybody end of the day, most people who today buy bow, they look at what's the bow speed on launch? Well, if you have sharper, what do they have to do? They have to apply the force longer to make up. So that means the demand of the arrow shaft behavior is even stronger. I mean, can you overcome all this? Answer is yes. I think you need to go back to the last three episodes of we have about arrow concept, arrow veins, uh, also arrow oscillation process to really relook it. Right. Yeah, I th- I, uh, I'm i going totally opposite direction this year compared to last year because I went down that high FOC wormhole and 
I bought the test kits where you just increase your point weight until you shoot a bullet hole. And I was like, Oh, my bow is just shooting better now because this is what it likes at this point. I was shot 560 grains and 125 grain head. And, um, the that's because that's what my bow liked is what I thought. And essentially what I was doing was just slowing it down enough to where none of it mattered. And it just keep it, <laughs> keep in mind that, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people paper shoot and that's like a starting point for some, I particularly don't do that. But, um, uh, just to mention, I remember Rod White having a video out there. I don't know if you remember this George, but he did a, he did a high speed video on a couple of bows. I think one was a Hoyt. And no matter how good he had a perfect bullet hole in the paper, but when he looked at the arrow in, in slow motion, he was quick to get rid of the bow. I mean, the, the bow couldn't, he couldn't tune the bow well enough, you know, to, to, to make it happen. All kinds of things were happening. They had, do you uh, know, do you know, know what that happened? That bow was, uh, <clears throat> it was a, it was a, don't mention company name. I, I got uh, friends everywhere. <laughs> gotcha. That bow was tuned incorrectly. That's the reason they got a 2.1 cap. What happened is that when they scaled that bow down from 70 pounds to the 70 inch, 30 inch draw to a 29 inch draw, when they scaled it, they screwed up. That bow have a 12 millimeter horizontal not travel. How the hell did you shoot that straight? Do you know what 12 millimeter is? Half an inch. That means right. the arrow tail will move half an inch. So that you had to shoot an arrow that's so light on the spine and heavy on the weight, so that the arrow can accept and receive the error and still able to shoot true. Now but he he, let, let he me, got let, that to shoot a paper a, a perfect bullet hole as far as the paper, but that my point was when it was on high speed video it was like whoa what the hell just happened here. <laughs> And another thing, most people shoot papers. They when they think about it, how many pieces of paper are you shooting? At what distance? You at, at the paper tell you in one single right. split of time, the arrow on its entire duration pass through that point and pass through that point in the same fashion. So what I mean, move that paper, say six inches in front, six inches behind. Are they shooting paper again? Pull a hole? Hell no. <laughs> yeah, so I experienced that. I experienced exactly. that this year. Yeah. Yep, and so when people shooting paper, I say, if you really want to learn how to shoot paper, put five of them up. Three foot, five foot, 10 foot, 15 Didn't we feet. have a guy do that? Um, I don't know if it was Zach or somebody. He put up three papers, I think one at three, three feet, six feet and nine feet or something like that. And not only did they, not only, I mean, it was shooting a concept system, so it won't benefit it. He demonstrated what that did. But what was neat was in three, six and nine, he demonstrated, and I, I don't know if he pointed this out or I point, but there, we can see arrow rotation happening because you see different vein alignment on arrow vein. I'm not, I forget if it was two or three, but the, it was it was remarkable how we seen the the differences in rotation on paper. That's a good point, right? That's the reason you know a lot of people. I tell people, I say, oh, I, I paper tune this bow for bullet hole. I say, don't put a light knot on it. Go behind it, camera. Look at the knock movements. Because ideally the knock should not move because you want that fish shape. The knock should be your anchor point. That's the reason a lot of people have problem tuning the boat. Believe it or not, put a little bit of weight on the back of the knock. The boat would tune Hmm. Yeah, to keep it as a matter. Correct. You put momentum right there. 
make that thing a little bit heavier, the whole arrow now, you've got the fish shape. Because see, if the fish mouth opens, parachute effect come in. And not to mention the amount of energy you lose. Most people just don't understand when the arrow do not go straight, every single flex is an energy lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have to go into say our my extreme stuff, arrow concept, arrow wing two, three, gyroscopic reaction, rotational mass. I mean, you get all those. I mean, or, or even we go into some extreme stuff, like we're talking resonance control using the string bump titanium kit. I mean, those you can feel your hand, but at the end of the day, you really, really need to see how your arrow behave in, in flight. And the cheapest, easiest way is just stick yourself a light on anyone. I mean, don't have to be mine. And take a shot of slow motion camera, like give yourself maybe one second exposure and see how the arrow go out of your bow. You'll be amazed how screwed up it is. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad because the moment you see it, you understand it, then you go and shoot a go tip 22 or a, 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 a go tip, say a, a, a typical, like a, like an old Maxima, say a 244 and look at how the light fire. Your final compared to your 166 is so much better. I can attest, yep, I can attest to that. I did it this year. Um, I bought lighted knocks for my standard diameter shafts and then shot last year's 204 and shot the previous year's 166. and. Yeah, the flight characteristics are so much different. And you wouldn't think that that small of a diameter change would make a big difference, but it makes a very big difference. I think another word, just look at every single fly rod. The guy with a super thin fly rod, they're only good for AFTM 4, 6. The moment you're shooting the top one class, AFTM 12. Can you think? I was like, you remember you're in Florida, the wind is your killer. Why did you shoot a thick diameter shit? The, the fly rod. Because it recovers, because now you can cast, you have power without weight. Yep. I mean, every industry is doing the same thing. It's not just archery. You need to look at what other people is doing because as they say, but on this planet, we live by the same law of physics. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think that's a real I mean, that is a big problem with hunters, not only hunters with arrows, but even just as a in general, we don't pay enough attention to or compare to outside industries. So, yeah. That, I get that a lot when discussing titanium. Yeah, our archery, archery, it's like, to a lot of shooters, you know, uh, especially when I was first getting into this, it was unacceptable. You can't, it doesn't work, it doesn't do this. And you start pointing to uh, aerospace, anything from there to hammers, um, bikes, the race cars, the whole deal. Everything's like, titanium becomes acceptable then. <laughs> but the guy who doesn't want to put the put out the 150 bucks in titanium for his bow, no, no, we can't can't do it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I can feel two ounces. It can't make that big a difference. I mean, I put I put an eight ounce quiver on my bow. I mean, just to put something in perspective, you know. And I had this is this is something that, sh that shooters with on target two software have told me. In order for you to gain an inch or two at 30 yards on the bow in the same in the same configuration, you got to shoot like 50 feet per second faster. So just based on that, okay, based on what I was told, um, if I introduce titanium to a bow and I can pick up two inches, and in essence, I'm kind of gaining um, the equivalent of 50 feet per second just through um, a more consistent energy transfer. 
I just, I just, I just go about it from the other side of the coin um, versus, you know, try and pick up uh, 50 feet per second and launches what they're, and it, and it's, it's kind of like what, um, I don't know if we, we probably discussed a little bit of this. If you go from error vein two to error vein three, even if you're flying at the same speed, the one vein is can act as, act as 20, 30 feet per second faster because of the way the arrow is carried. And people are missing that concept. Um, in regards to what you know, something like titanium does. Yep. I will give I you a. I'll, I'll give you a one example. I remember uh, uh, Jack Jack out of who used to be a pro staff for place uh, for bone a uh, boning. He moved to my veins. He got arrow wing two and arrow wing three. He's shooting a boat that's about three hundred and thirty feet per second in IBO speed. He told me from his blazer, he do a two and a half degree at sixty yards. The difference between the blazer and Aerovin 2 is six inches, but Aerovin 3 and another four inches. So the difference between it just because of point of impact is 10 inches. That's it. Everybody got 10. No, look, just give me, let me give you power, lean back. Aerovin is not something you can just slam on expect results. I will tell you, one of my best dealers, uh, Wolf Hollow Larry, he called me, say, Dodge, this is all screwed up. He said, Why? I get your Aerovin 3 on my bow. At 25 yards, I shoot two point bullet holes. The moment I put a rage on it, it drops six inches. I say, what do you expect? It should drop about mm -hmm. six inches. The bow speed do not change, but just put a rage on an Aerovin 3 arrow that he tuned correctly. Drop impact point by six inches at mm -hmm. 25 yards because aerodynamic kick into effect. That two trailing blade make that front of the arrow behave like a two inch tube. That is six inch difference on impact with no change of speed, with no change of front of center, with no change of vein, no change of bone, nothing except a few points to the broadhead, but with arrow being three at 300 and I think he's shooting 310 feet per second to 315. And I see a similar result when I had a shooter and I was stood right by him. We shot the, uh, we were shooting the SBG head to heart craft. We're all on the money at 40 yards. Soon as you went to the slick trick, same size kind of head, 100 grain, everything. Slick trick dropped eight, eight inches at 40. Every Do time. you know why? Because Hardcraft and uh, Ramcat both have scoop design. It lowered, the, it increased the air speed and lowered the air pressure for the blade to go through. And the, then also, not to mention, since it's Arrow Wing 3, the spin rate, the entire lower the pressure, the interaction of the blade decreases, which the air able to go forward because you don't have the. Uh, don't have the fender number one and number three again. I mean, people just forgot those laws are there for a reason and they're not applying it correctly. And they thought that, well, in this case, it doesn't apply. You know why it doesn't apply? When you shoot under 270 feet per second, then you don't have to worry about it. So the well, question, the, 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 it, mm -hmm. it gets back to the point that if you want something to look better, that's really not up to par, make it go slower. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's the reason, you know, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of customer, a lot of uh, listeners in this. The end of the day, if you really don't want to screw with all this stuff and you want local, just increase your just increase your air weight. Everything will be fine. But just <laughs> slow remember, it down. Just, so it looks. It looks. There's no reason for you to buy a new bow because whatever you had before, besides blowing cool in front of your friends. But if that's what you want, hey, it's your money. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it. Wrap it up. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else you guys want to add here? I'm good, Dave. Till next. Till next time. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, um, Dave, we haven't had you on the last couple of weeks. If people want to find you, where can they find you? 
I got my uh, website is vitallimits.com. My uh, shop phone and email are right on there. Um, I usually get the one or the other. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I got a, I got a YouTube channel. Um, some of these videos, like the high speed videos and stuff are on there. There's a link to the YouTube on there so they can, they can see some of this stuff in action. Cool. What about you, George? Where can people, where can people reach out to you? Uh, Fireknock.com. I uh, try not to call my cell phone at two o'clock in the morning. I know some <laughs> one German customer did that, which I don't appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, my wife don't appreciate it. <laughs> and we end up with a, oh, an hour discussion. What can I say? <laughs> and my German is not that great and his English sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, guys. Uh, really appreciate the conversation. I learned a lot. I hope everyone else did. And until next time.